Good evening, Bears and Bearettes. It is half nine on Sunday evening, so therefore it is time for another episode of the Rain, uh, sorry, the Jersey Weekly Podcast with myself, Colin Armstrong, hosting tonight. Uh, it's episode 40 of the Jersey Podcast. We've turned 40. We're now middle-aged, and we've also, last year was our first birthday, so a couple of milestones for the podcast uh, this week. I would encourage you to contribute... Uh, via the comment section on YouTube as an interactive show. So if you've got anything uh, you want to say during the podcast, let us know and we'll try and read it out. We would also encourage you to subscribe to the podcast if possible and share it on all your social medias. Uh, the podcast is live tonight, as I've said, but it will also to uh, excuse me be available to stream and download after the broadcast tonight. So if anyone's out there has missed it, they can pick up uh, later in the week on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Castbox and YouTube as well, obviously. Hey, joining me tonight, we've got the gaffer on, uh, Stuart Sun. How are you, Stuart? Very well, Colin, thanks. Just had a nice afternoon watching the, the golf there, so relaxed and ready to start talking about Rangers again after a, a week away, a week actually. Off. Yeah, a week off. Did you enjoy the golf, Tiger winning? I did indeed. Um, for all the indiscretions over the years, I was I was kind of hoping he would he would do it today. I like um, I like to be Italian guy, but he obviously uh, folded on the back nine. So after that, I was cheering on for for Tiger. So I was I was pretty Tiger. pleased when he when he did it. Well, I didn't watch it myself. I had a I had a bit of heavy night last night. I was at the I was at a tribute dinner for the Rangers team for 1972 that won the Cup Winners' Cup. We were talking about it before we came on air, obviously. So I just had a sort of relaxing Sunday myself. I went out for a wee walk and then watched a wee bit of the Liverpool-Chelsea game. So I'm also suitably relaxed and ready to talk about Rangers after a week of not having any Rangers. Uh, also joining us tonight is uh, Christine Somerville. How are you, Christine? I'm good, thanks, Colin. You had a good weekend? Um, quite quiet. I've been doing a wee bit of work, but um, on the whole, just relaxed and... Um, Sort of missing the the Rangers and yeah, you know nah. glad to glad to be back on the podcast again. It's always a bit. What's the word? Oh, it's a bit shite, isn't it? When there's no Rangers at the weekend, you know, you're mm. just sort of twiddling your thumbs a wee bit. Although, as I said, I I got a wee bit last night. I got my photo with the cup winners cup and all the rest of it. Got to meet nine of the the players from that night. Uh, Wally Matheson couldn't meet last night. I think he's on holiday. And obviously, Sandy Jardin is no longer with us anymore. So, you know, I, I got to meet nine and eleven. So it was a good night. There was uh, there was lots of stuff going on, and it was good fun. And I got my jersey signed as well. I've got a, a replica of the '72 jersey, so that's signed now and, and up the stair in the, the boys' room. So, yeah, good stuff. So that sort of replaced my my Rangers fix for the weekend. So, aye, quite enjoyable. Anyway, talking points for tonight. Uh, Obviously, no no game to talk about, so I thought we would look at some of the stuff that's come out this week in the papers and stuff like that, and also, it's something we've been looking about doing for a while, we were going to do a sort of personal memories from, you know, our own Rangers personal memories, so first game attended, cup final, all that kind of thing. So we'll come on to that later in the show, but first, I thought we would look at sort of some of the stuff uh, in the paper this week. Uh, I'll come at you first, Stuart. You know, there's been a few talks this week in terms of the papers around players that were being linked with. The, the main one this week has been John Souter at Hearts. I have to be honest, I've I, I, I've not really seen enough of the boy to comment. What's your views on this one? 
I know the Jambos highly rate him, and he was very highly rated at Dundee before that. So um, he's, he's he's definitely done well. I think he's been capped for the international team there as well, hasn't he? Or he's certainly been included in a squad or two. So um, he's certainly got a good pedigree. Um, probably still a bit raw. It's, it's interesting because he's more a sort of ball playing centre half, um, right sided. Um, just signed a new contract for Hearts, like three year extension in, in January there. So. I'd imagine they'll be wanting serious money for him. I don't know, like two or three million, which is quite a lot for a guy that's still got a bit of developing to do. I mean, um, on the other hand, you've got somebody like Scott McKenna. I mean, clearly Aberdeen are looking for sort of five million mark, which I doubt they're going to get, to be honest. Uh, the good thing for McKenna is he's left-footed as opposed to, to Suter, who's, who's more sort of right-sided. And obviously McKenna's more physical, probably a bit more suited to the Scottish game than, than dealing with... Um, Sorry, the sort of aerial threat teams and the physical side of it. So I think it, it would be more a surprise if we weren't interested in these players. The problem you've got, as usual, is, is dealing with Scottish teams can sometimes be problematic, especially when the when they've, 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 they're the, the sort of the, the cream of the crop, if you like. And obviously McKenna's sort of cemented his place as a as a sort of first choice uh, Scotland centre half. So I don't know if you want to pay serious money for these guys. At the same time, I mean, you're not going to be able to afford the guys in, in England. So do you look further afar to, to, to Croatia? We would, obviously, we've got Katic last year, who's, again, he's, he's done well, but he's still quite raw himself. So um, it's it's debatable. I'm not very sure on him myself. I, I, I think I do like to look at him, but as always, I guess it just comes down to, to what we're willing to pay. Christine, do you know enough about, about this guy in, in terms of if to form an opinion? As I said, Frankie seems quite informed there. And I've genuinely, because I don't watch sports scene that often, I've, I, the only time I would see this boy is when he turns up at Ibrox, you know, he played for Hearts. I don't remember him standing out any time I've, I've, I've watched Hearts this season, but, you know, I could be wrong. Have, have you got any views on him as a player? I don't have. Really, Colin, because I tend to even I don't watch sports scene at all now. Um, I only watch Rangers, and when I say I watch Rangers, that includes the Rangers players. So I'm kind of one of these people. I don't if somebody is having a really good game against us. You don't know. I don't that. actually notice. Them I am I'm a bit like that. Somebody, I'm more interested in what our players are doing. Um, yeah. To notice, obviously, if somebody was. You know, maybe Hope's going a hat trick against us or something like that. Not that that would ever happen, but you know, I would maybe notice them. But I don't generally look at players from from other teams, I, unfortunately. I'm, I'm probably guilty of thinking, you know, if if somebody was playing well for the opposition, I would think the person in our team that's playing against that person was having a poor game. Yeah. Rather than saying, oh, boy, that boy sort of looks quite good. You know, Absolutely. I'd be saying, what's, what's going on? You know, how is Kent no cutting him out? Or, you mm-hmm. know, I'm a bit like that. I'm quite, in, you know, internal when I watch the games. I, I, I tend to focus more on Rangers than, than anyone else. So, yeah, I, I'm, 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 kind of, I'm kind of with you on that one. I've also been linked to Greg Stewart again. Now, I, I do have an opinion of him. I thought uh, any time i seen him with Kilmarnock, especially, I thought he looked a decent player. Uh would you like to see him coming to Ibrox, Christine? Not sure. Um, again, I, I haven't really seen enough of him to, to comment on that, but we need to be very careful here. We can't just keep bringing in players 
players have to go out the other way and do you know do we need more midfielders I don't know I, I, I know I, I saw an interview before we came on air tonight I, I watched the wee interview with, with Stevie G and he was commenting on the squad and he said basically the, the sort of roughly paraphrasing here he was, he was sort of saying that of the group some have joined in and what he's trying to do, you know, and they're coming along for the journey. Uh, he says, but some others, you know, it seems like the Rangers, the, the expectation at a club like Rangers are too, are too much for them and they'll need to be moved on. Now, obviously, he didn't name names, but it seems mm-hmm. to me he's recognised people within that dressing room that he's, he's thinking, no, this, this is too big an ask of you. You'll need to move on. So I think in the point you made there about players going out, I think players will be leaving in the summer. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think that Morelos will go, but no, because of, you know a lack of ability. I think it will be more. It's time for him to move on, and we can you know recoup some of the transfer fee from that. But I think there will be some players leaving this summer that, that Steven Gerrard thinks not. Sorry, you can't cut it. Uh, yeah. I think we've all got a rough idea who some of those players would be. So I think some would go. The the one thing I would say about about Greg Stewart is I think Kilmarnock tailed off badly. When he when he moved on in in January there, mm-hmm. so I think he could maybe do a job for Rangers. I must admit. What well, about you, Stuart? Have you got any views on on Greg Stuart? I think he's a good player, and I think we'll find out soon enough because I believe that he's signed already. I think uh, it's got to be make me confirmed actually this week. But yeah. he'll be a Rangers player next season, as far as I know. So um, I, I I like him. I think he's exactly the player we need. He plays in in holes. He's tricky. He's got a lot of guile about him. Um, I don't think it's worked out for him as much at Aberdeen again as what it did at Kilmarnock. I think he's best just off, a, off another striker um, rather than sort of being playing uh, wide. And I think he'll, he'll, we've been asking for a, a sort of number 10 and I think that's the kind of role he'll be ideal for, uh, Greg Stewart. And um, he's, he's not a world beater, obviously, but he's got a lot of skill. Um, I mean, he scored a cracker against us for Kilmarnock earlier in the season at Ibrox. So um, I am kind of looking forward to him in a Rangers jersey if, if indeed he does sign for us. In terms of guys leaving, I mean, I've also, it might well be the case that Morelos goes, I think, um, for what I'm hearing, uh, James Tavernier might be the first out the door. I think um, apparently there's been a, a multi-million bid in for him from a um, English Premiership team. So um, we'll have to wait and see what happens um, in a few weeks' time when the season finishes and and everything settles. But there's definitely a lot of players that are going to be on their way out, guys like Jason Holt, Joe Dodu, all these guys that are coming back for loan, loan deals, Jordan Rossiter, Greg Doherty. Do you, how many of these guys do you keep or do you cut your losses? Um, as I say, we definitely need to to, to slim this squad down and, and uh, just ensure that the guys that we do buy and bring in, that we, we've not, we're not got as much of a, a squad turnover as we have, did have last summer and try and add a bit more quality um, to, to what we have already, hopefully. Are you revealing exclusively live on the the, the Jersey podcast that Greg Stewart's signing for Rangers this week? I, I don't know if when when they will reveal him. Possibly this week, I'd heard, but my information is that he's signed for Rangers for next season. That's a done deal. There you go. Uh, you're you're in the know. It would appear, Frankie. Uh, there's also been a story about the Ryan Kent situation. Now, obviously. There's been a price quoted for Liverpool, I think it's around £12 million, which would be way above what Rangers could afford these days. So, 
there was a story earlier on in the week suggesting that Stephen Gerrard was going to make a personal visit uh, to Liverpool to, to have a meeting with Jurgen Klopp with a view to extending his, his loan deal for one more year. Now, how do you feel about that, Christine? Do you, I mean, one, is it is it possible? I mean, surely if Liverpool can can rake in 12 million, they'll, they'll just tell Stevie G, uh, you're all right, thanks very much, we'll take the money. I personally don't think they'll ever get anything like 12 million for him. I mean, I think he's a good player. I like him, but sometimes they kind of flatters to deceive. You know, he's when he's on his game, he's really good. But I don't know if he's consistent enough to warrant that kind of fee. If we could get him on loan for another year, fair enough. But, um, you know, I think they'll possibly get other options. Um, you know, Jordan Jones can play that kind of role and I know that people aren't all that impressed with Jordan Jones but to know something I didn't I wasn't impressed with Kamara the Kamara signing and yeah I think he's been a revelation so you can't always tell how other players are playing um, because they're not in such a good team so if some of these players with better players around them um, can you know, give us a performance, then why not? And why, I would rather have our players than loan players, to be honest. Uh, that's a valid point, actually. I would, I would take that. I mean, I've found that with the, the centre-half <laughs> situation, I've sort of queried as to why, you know, Katic was sort of taken out the, the side and, and put in with Worrell. Now, Worrell, he's done okay, you know, but I'm with you in that front. I'm thinking, well, why not just put our player in there and make sure that he's, you know, getting game time and all the rest of it, rather than the de- developing the a player for another club. You know, if, if, if Worrell goes back after after this season, you know, he's got X amount of games under his belt at our expense, but we don't gain the benefit of that, not in Forest do. So I get that point. However, I, I think Kent is fairly... I get what you say. It can flatter to deceive at times. You know, I think that comes with wingers. I think they tend to be inconsistent, but when he's on his game, I mean, I thought, you know, his performance at Celtic Park a couple of weeks ago was outstanding, took his goal really, really well, caused them problems all game, you know, probably our best player on the day, I thought. I think if we could get, you know, if he can play at that sort of level, 70% of the time he gets onto the park, then we're getting a good player for another season. How, how do you feel about Kent? Frankie, do you think it's, it's worthwhile extending it by another season? I think it'd be ideal if we could get him on loan for another year, to be honest, because I'm of the same opinion as you guys. I think um, I think he's a very good player. Um, he's inconsistent. He's still young. That's fine. That's something that's to be expected. Um, so I definitely wouldn't want to be spending upwards of £5 million on him at this stage. Um, it might well be the following year. I think that's when he's possibly a contract. Um then there might be a deal to be done in that sense. If he's proven himself over another over another season, then you might think it's worth spending uh, big money on. Um, but again, I think what Christine said uh, a few minutes ago that that if Liverpool get a good offer in in the summer and the likes of ten million pocket change for a lot of English teams, especially yeah, for the higher championship sides, if, if a lot of, a lot of teams will have their eye on them. And if if, if Liverpool are, are not that hard to deal with, I doubt they will be because, let, let's face it, he's, he's not Liverpool quality at this stage in his career. So 
Um, I, I don't think Liverpool are going to do us any favours. They're not interested in themselves, and uh, and and the guy will, will, will go on a permanent transfer somewhere. Um, we've got plenty of options, though. If if we can get him again, Christy mentioned Jordan Jones. I, I think he's he's actually done quite well any time I've watched him. Um, I'd hope he would he would improve um, alongside better players. We've got Greg Stewart if indeed he signs. Then uh, if we can get Jamie Murphy back fit again. And obviously we've got uh, Eros Gresda as well if, if he stays beyond the summer. So there's, there's certainly plenty of options um, in, the, in that kind of position. So uh, it's just a case of the, the, the manager uh, making sure that the system works and that these players fit into the right system and, and they're complemented by three or four really top quality players. And to be honest, I don't, as much as Kent's been probably a, one of our key players, certainly since the turn of the year, I, I don't think at this stage is, is a uh, a really a, a real standout enough that I'd want to spend what would be a, a enough a lot of money on him to be honest. Ronald De Boer was in the, the paper this week, Frankie. Uh, you know, obviously Ajax are having a really really good season this season. They're in the sort of quarterfinals of the Champions League. You know, surprised everybody, and he was sort of saying that Rangers, you know, maybe sort of agreement with Christy was saying earlier on, you know, rather than going down the road to loan players and all the rest of it and, and buying in uh, players, you know, that, that we should revert to youth and, you know, start producing young players and, and bringing them through and getting them in the team early and, and citing Ajax as an example, you know, because that's what they've done and they got to a UEFA Cup final or a Europa League final as it is these days, I think two or three years ago against Man United. They're obviously in the quarterfinals of the Champions League this year and they've sort of taken everybody by surprise at the sort of level of their performances. My, my, I mean, I can hear where, where, where Ronald De Boer is coming on this, but my biggest fear, the, the case I always go back to is, is Danny Wilson. And Danny Wilson first came into that team, I thought he was an absolute revelation. 17, 17 or 18 year old at the time. You know, how many games did he get? Maybe 20 games, 30 games. And Liverpool came in and went, thank you, we'll take him. So if you have X amount of players in your team, you know, if you're going down the road of youth development, you're putting loads of young players in your team, you're not putting yourself in a position where if they do hit the ground round, you're just your team's going to get dismantled at the end of the season. I think that's the case. It's definitely the risk with doing it. Um, I mean, Ajax are a, are a big team, uh, very successful European side, um, very impressive the, the the way the system works. I mean, but if you speak to Pete of this parish uh, about uh, Dutch football, I mean, he's based in Germany, but he's lived in Holland a lot. Is all his life and, and so follows uh, Dutch football quite closely. He says that the Ajax Academy hasn't been performing quite as well as a lot of people claim in actual fact. So um, th- it's definitely a risk to go down that route. I mean, you mentioned Danny Wilson. I think, what well, did you not get about four million pounds for him? So it, it can be lucrative um, if you've got enough players that you can bring through that are doing well, that you can sell, but enough players that are doing well enough that you can actually keep. I mean, Billy Gilmore is probably a more recent example, obviously really highly rated in, the, in our youth system and then moved down to, to Chelsea. Um, and and what did we get, what, £300,000, something like that? Yeah, it's, that's right. So the, the development fee is only a, a, a huge amount of money, unfortunately. Um, so especially if they pick them up early like that. And and again, I mean, we mentioned it a little bit, Ryan Kent. English teams, I mean, Chelsea, especially that I mean how big a squad have these guys got what 70 80 players so and they've got feeder teams that they can loan them out to for two or three years and so it's 
this this is what you're competing against and I mean a lot of credit to Ajax they seem able to do it and do it quite consistently and it would be great to follow that model I mean arguably for Scottish teams it's the only model you can do is buy players low and sell them high and whether that's younger players or whether it's 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 your, your boom songs of this world um there's that that's probably the only option we've got because it's that difficult for for us and even for Celtic to to qualify for the group stages of the Champions League so financially it's it's the only route that you can you can really go but in terms of Rangers I mean the the, uh, the pressure on 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 players is incredibly high I mean fans expect to win every single game the pressure is even higher now with Celtic just about to complete eight in a row we don't want to try and stop them over the next two years uh, breaking the record so it's it's possibly not the right time if we're going to do that we should have done it um five years ago when we and and uh, obviously Alan McCoy didn't have the the uh the bottle or the the the, the self-belief in his own uh, skills and doing that instead of wasted time with guys like uh, Kevin Kyle and Ian Black so um I don't know it's a, it's a difficult question it's it's easy for us to pontificate here and say do this do that and do the other we have to win games and the only do, way to do that is to to sign players really, and and you can't afford to to wait on 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 the young players' inconsistencies and and rawness um, at times. I mean, Glenn, Glenn Middleton's quite a good example. I mean, he did very well earlier in the season, and then he sort of felt the pitch a wee bit because when he was uh, coming onto the pitch, he was he was sort of struggling. So it's it's a tricky question. It was in an ideal world, yes, but at Rangers, I don't think it really works. It's an interesting point that the. Uh... That Stuart makes there, Christine, you know, and I, and I think Glenn Middleton's a sort of good example. Of it. You know, you know, Stuart sort of said there at the start of the season, you know, he was getting past his men, sending in great crosses, and he's sort of, you know, I, I think it comes down to what we were talking about earlier on. You know, the jersey being too heavy for some people, and I always think, especially young players, when they come into the, the, the side, you know, they get a certain amount of leeway for, for X amount of games you know where, where fans don't get on their back and all the rest of it but maybe after 10-15 games that's it they're considered part of the fabric and they're fair game you know on a cold November night and when they're drawing nothing each against St Johnson with 10 minutes to go and you send in a duff cross and 50,000 folks start groaning and moaning and all the rest of it you know I think it takes a certain certain type of player to deal with that and if you're bringing loads of young players in you know, as Ronald De Boer is suggesting, you know, is there actually a possibility you could ruin some of these boys' careers because you're putting them in too early? I think you've just completely said it all there, Colin, to be perfectly honest. Just exactly what I think. I mean, our fans can be absolutely fantastic, the best in the world. But sometimes they can be the worst, though, uh, if things aren't going our way. And I'm saying that in a, you know, the nicest possible way, but they we do tend to get on the players' backs very, very easily. And as you say, it must be very disheartening if you're a player, uh, uh, you know, to face that. And it makes them reluctant to, you know, they just want rid of the ball because they don't want, they don't want the crowd on their backs. And, you know, bringing young players into that kind of atmosphere, um, you know, there have to be a certain kind of personality, you know, to... To be able to, to shrug that. that off. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, as I said, I think Middleton's a good example of it because as Rangers' season started to sort of deteriorate a wee bit, that's when he tailed off, I think. You know, when when the questions were, were really being asked, you know, when you're, you're 
been sort of expected to get results and all the rest. I think the European run this year was great. It was great to see us back in that arena. It's a bit of a free hit. You know, once you're in the group stages, we've, we've probably got further than we expected to get this season. So there's no real pressure on the players. So they're playing at a, you know, a yeah. very, very decent level of football, but with, without any real pressure on them. So they'll express themselves and, and, and I think they feel a bit freer to go out and do that. When it comes to your league games and the, 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 the sort of bread and butter stuff, and as I said, with 10 minutes to go and you're drawing nothing each, and that's when you see players starting to go the other way and play within themselves. And I, I do think it's... I, I think Rangers fans can be... No, the worst, but we're not the best at times when things are going against us. You know, we, we can get a bit moany and all the rest of it and turn on the players a wee bit. And I think if we overloaded, you know, the side with young players, you know, you're, you're in danger of, you know, destroying them a wee bit, you know, taking a lot out of their, their development. And then, consequently, you're not going to be able to sell them on, you know, because people are only going to come in and buy them. So... I'm not convinced. I know where Ronald De is coming with this, but I have to say I'm not convinced that it's, it's, it's the right uh, road for Rangers. So I think it's, it's maybe what Frankie was talking about earlier on, you know, buying low and, and you know, selling high, so to speak, wherever you're getting them from, whether it be Scottish, from, from further afield. If you're doing that and you're getting more successes and you're getting failures, then you get the benefit of the player on the pitch and then you, you rake in the rewards when you sell them on. I think that's maybe a more suitable model uh, for Rangers. Sure, coming back to the the, the, the the Hibs thing from a few weeks ago, the the Tavernier issue, the supporter that came on the park and, you know, in inverted commas, confronted him. Uh, he was jailed for 100 days uh, this week. That was one of the things. Now, I can remember at the time of the incident, me being really angry, and it sort of happened at the same time as that Villa fan, uh, the Villa player, sorry, was attacked by the Birmingham fan and, and, and that boy got to jail as well. However, when, when I read the story this week, now don't get me wrong, I'm not judging, uh, sorry, I'm not condoning what the boy done. You know, he, he should never have been on the park. However, the, the boy had no previous and he's got 100 days in the jail for, you know, doing something stupid, but I don't think he'd done anything that was particularly life-threatening or anything like that. It felt a bit harsh to me. Uh, how did you view it? I think it's um, a deterrent, uh, Colin. I think it's as simple as that. There's been a lot of uh, media attention based on supporter behaviour um, in recent months. Obviously, uh, there's been a lot of stuff thrown for stands um, and we've had um, Tav now had stuff thrown at him and obviously this guy had a go at him um, a couple of months back now as well, so I think the, the, the Scottish judicial system had to be seen to be doing something, and I think this guy probably drew the short straw. Unfortunately, um, I don't. First and foremost, I don't. I don't think we want to see young lads with, with uh, young families in jail. Um, I think it's an overreaction, but at the same time, we're all responsible for our own behaviour, and the guy's old enough to know better. I mean. I've been to countless football matches and I've never thought once about running onto the pitch. As much as I'm frustrated about Rangers players playing crap, opposition players causing bother, Neil Lennon spat in a Rangers scarf about 10 yards in front of me again in 2004. And I've never thought I'm going to run onto the pitch and, in fact, confront that player. So 
the mindset I don't understand, but clearly there's that element within every support. Um, so, I mean, we are supporters are not perfect in that, in that sense either. So it's, it's that point of view that makes me think I don't want to see people jailed for it. Um, but at the same time, if we want to stop this stuff going on, then eventually you have to say enough's enough. And um, as I say, I think unfortunately as lad, he he took a risk and, and he's got to pay for it with, with some jail time. I, I doubt he'll spend 100 days. I think he'll probably be lucky if he does 30, but um, I, I, I doubt he'll, whether he attends another game or not, I doubt he'll do it again. So um, also, I, I guess we'll find out if, if it works in, in that sense. But just now, I think it's... Uh, it's it's the only option the the the, um, the judge probably had. Christine, I, I get what, what Stuart's saying there. A couple of things. But... I t- I tend to disagree with Stuart um, to a certain extent. Um, I think what the guy did was really stupid. Um, but if somebody did that to another person on out in the street, street, yeah, would they get the jail for it? I don't think they would. Um, do you know, and I, I, I do. I feel a bit sorry for the guy, although he was stupid. I don't know whether he was drunk or drugged out his head. I really don't know. But a hundred days in jail, I think that's pretty steep. I think a, a good fine would have been quite sufficient in this instance. And surely, it should, I mean, I understand what Stuart's saying there that you know, you know, the judges are looking for a deterrent because it's been in the spotlight recently. And I get that, you know, there has been some incidents this year that, you know, we obviously don't want to see repeated. But surely, you know, stuff like the pyro stuff, you know, you know, firecrackers getting thrown in. I'm sure Stuart said previously it was at an old firm game and when Celtic scored a goal, the firecracker came into the the home end and, and, and went off and all the rest. Of it. Surely that's endangering or more endangering than somebody coming on the park and, you know, and, and I know he raised his hands and all the rest of it, but I just felt there must be better examples out there that they could have made an example of rather than this boy, especially when you consider that he doesn't have any previous record at all. And I think, I, I genuinely think it's, for all football fans, it, it's it's a bit of a worrying road that we're, at the, that we're at the start of here. You know, if this is how it's going to be, I think it's a concern, if I'm, if I'm being honest. I mean, to be fair, if it stops anybody else from running onto the field and doing the same thing, then fair enough. Um, the guy's just obviously been a bit unlucky. Uh, I don't know. As you say, the pyro stuff—they don't really seem to be able to pick out, you know, who's causing that. And they'll know the area that it's coming from, but um, that to me is much worse. I, I than think that. I, I what think the that guy sort of did, as you say, yeah. it's potentially life-threatening. I don't know that's maybe been a wee bit too... too um... Overdramatic. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for pulling me out of spot there, Colin. Um, but, you know, I just think, why don't we, why can't we all just sing and be happy and, you know, sing our songs and, and that's it without all this, you know, additional nonsense? I think as well there's something that isn't getting brought into this debate and, and... It's, it's how many times these occasions are happening involving Rangers. And I don't mean, you know, in terms of our supporters being involved. I mean, our players being at the, mm-hmm. you know, Tavernier's been involved twice now in, in, in the space of three or four weeks. 
you know, yep. we've had incidents in the past with Lee McCullough, you know, also at the Motherwell game. Yep. Got a flagpole shoved in his eye and all the rest of it. It, it uh, uh, The fact that that's been ignored worries me a wee bit because to me there is a, there seems to be a link, you know, whenever Rangers are in town, there, there seems to be this feeling that, you know, we're fair game. Do you know, Colin, I think you need to look back as well at um, the cup final against Hibs when all these Hibs fans were allowed on to the to the plane surface and came right up to the Rangers end and not a thing. No sanctions, nothing. Well, I would, I would argue that some of the boys that came on the part that day, I mean, obviously Lee Wallace was on the receiving end yep. of it, a few others were as well. I would argue that some of the things that happened that day were, were far worse than what happened with the Tavernier incident, but I don't recall there being any jail time dished out at that particular point. No. I get, and I get the point that, that, that what Stuart was saying earlier on was, you know, because these incidents have been reoccurring and they're sort of in the spotlight that, that somebody had to be made an example of. I get that. I, I'm just a wee bit concerned that it was a guy who had no previous convictions, you know, he's not done anything wrong previously in life and he's made a mistake and it's been a costly one, but I, I don't think it needed to be as costly as it was. No, I agree. But if it stops all this talk about strict liability, then maybe I'm in favour. Well, well, we'll see how that goes. Right, we'll wrap this to be section up now. Final thing that, that, that I've taken out of this week. Uh, Stuart, did you see the video posted on social media of various squad members uh, on the drink at the Player of the Year do? I caught, I caught that yesterday when I came back for holiday. Couldn't stop laughing. It's hilarious. It really was. Um, I, I believe there's a few of the green and grey offended by it, but um, these guys won't go out very often and get in a state like that. It's probably because they didn't drink very often that they, they, they ended up absolutely steaming, but it's... Uh, I've no no problem with it. But it was not as if we had a game the following day. In fact, we had a, a two week break, so it was good to see the players out and enjoying themselves. Is there not? I, I get that. I mean, in, in terms of the content of the video, nothing but nothing really bothered me. It was just young guys out, as you say, having a good time at the end of a, a sort of player of the year. Something I'm sure that their manager has given them the go ahead to have a good time at. I was slightly concerned that. You know, a youth player found it appropriate to to film it and then post it on social media. I always feel these things should sort of remain in house, if you know what I mean. Oh, I'd agree with that definitely. I think um, the lad probably shouldn't have done it, um, and I'd imagine he probably uh, got the, the the hairdryer treatment for for Gerard the, the the following day when he found out about it. It's it's nowadays it's it's not a done thing to to video people. Um, it's certainly not without their permission. I know when they're when they're steaming. So, um, but it's happened. So there's no point in trying to, to gloss over it. I mean, as long as they're not doing anything silly or offensive, then I don't have a big problem. I mean, I, I like a drink myself. So if if, if then again I'm not get that perfectly. So I'm not get to sit here and say they shouldn't be doing that. This the other. Um, they didn't harm anybody. They were out enjoying themselves. So yeah, but just leave it at that. I think. <laughs> right, we'll move on to the Rangers' memories then. Uh, that's as we've covered the week. So we sort of suggested a wee while ago on the forums that this would be something worth looking at, you know, going through everyone who contributes to the podcast 
and asking them a, a few sort of standard questions about the, 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 the Rangers' memories. So we've got a few questions tonight. So I'll come to you first, Christine. Uh, your first Rangers game, what was the first game you ever attended? Well, you know, Colin, say if you'd asked me this about five years ago, I would have said it was around 1972 and it was Rangers Hearts and we won 2-0. I would have said that to you. And then once these things started coming out, um, you know, like all the results going way, way back, it turns out, and I actually, um, my sister looked out the programme from that game and it was actually February the 6th, 1971. And Rangers won 1-0, courtesy of Willie Henderson. There you go. Now, what, what amazes me is... Uh, well, one that my mum and dad let me go because you think about it, that was only a you know about a month after the disaster. Yeah. Uh, um. And did but, you go yourself? No, no, my dad. My dad took us. Um, I think there was a, quite a few of us. I think there was a neighbour, Jim Alexander, as well, and his kids. Um, and we went to the main stand because my dad. Um, my dad stopped going. He took the Huff for Rangers when they sold Jim Baxter. All right. <laughs> and he stopped he stopped going. And having two daughters, I'm sure he thought that he would never be, you know, dragging his daughters along to football. But I think we we kept saying, oh, please, please, because both Elaine and I really enjoyed football. So um, I think he waited till Elaine was a bit older. There's four years between us. So I think I was about, let me think, what, 71? I would have been about 14, so Elaine would have been about 10. So that was, um, that was, you know, what took us along to start off with. But there you go, February the 6th, 1971. I wasn't even born, Christine. I don't want to make no, you feel old there, but I wasn't even born. I what about know. yourself, Frankie? Where were you? What was your first game? I wasn't born then either, Christine. Oh, um, <laughs> sorry. No, my, my first game was um, Rangers 2, Hamilton 0 on the 17th of January, 1987. Is this the game that Roberts and Ian Durant got sent off? That's exactly that I game. I remember that game. And um, when we talk about coin throwing, there's a good video on YouTube. Yeah, that, that, they, they, they introduced time. a tunnel after that. They That's made right. Long tunnel. Yeah. That's right, it was Andrew Waddle was a referee and I think the, the only thing I've ever seen thrown at him was a coconut, so um, <laughs> really good achievement. So uh, that was that was my first game. It was actually that was two weeks before they beat us in the Scottish Cup. Um, so I'm glad I'm glad they went to that game rather than oh, the Scottish Cup game. Yeah. So um, I that was I was I just turned ten, so I think it was probably for my tenth birthday. I went to a couple of Scotland games, but first before I went to to Ibrox, I think. Anyway, so it's. Uh, that's that's the first game I can remember going going to. So enough, or coincidentally enough, I, I went for a, a job interview when I was sixteen. So about six years after that, um, just at a, a research company, and Andrew Waddle was the one that was doing the the um, the interview. All right. I can't remember if I mentioned I was a Rangers fan or not, but I got offered the job, but I didn't take it. So. See, um, I've heard, I've heard, I don't know how true they are, mind you. I mean, all, all of these things could be a lot of nonsense, but. I've heard some pretty bad stories about Andrew Waddle and, and his views on Rangers. 
it wouldn't surprise me, but I, as I say, I've only met him the once, and he was perfectly polite that time. Um, I don't think he returned a handshake, but. <laughs> yeah. Ah, well, he's not staunch enough then, is he? Really? Clearly, clearly not. No, no. Uh, I mean, my first game, I've, I've tried to, 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 to nail it down. It's, it's either 1981 or 1982. Uh, it was against Morton, and Rangers won 3 1. And when I when, when I look back at you know the previous fixtures and all the rest of it, there's two games and, and, and the two home games and for in different seasons finished three one. So I, I can't quite exactly remember what one I was at. However, Stephen Miller, who does the Rangers archives, he posted a, 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 a footage from one of the Morton games where Rangers won three one and Bobby Russell scores an absolute cracker of a goal. He just sort of dinks it out of the keeper. And in the background is the old centenary stand. So I, I'm of the opinion, based on this video, that the game I was at was the game in 82, because I am pretty sure when I took my first visit to Ibrox, the Govan stand was there. I don't remember seeing the old centenary stand. So I'm of the opinion that it was 1982 and played Morton uh, and we won 3 1. But I don't quite know what game it was. Right. First game attended has been dealt with. Uh, Christine, what was your first cup final? Well, see, before you make me feel even older. Oh, Christ. I'm just having a wee look at this programme from 1971 and the price of it was a shilling. So that's 5p to all you people that don't know what 5p? a shilling was. Jesus. Incredible, isn't it? And how much would that be the day, though? Oh, well, it's about three fifty for a program, isn't it? Well, see, what I do sometimes, I've I've, I've kept a lot of old tickets, right? For like when I was going to games in the eighties and stuff like that, and the the, the, the entry fee is like two pounds and stuff like that. And if you go online, you you've got the inflation calculator, so mm -hmm. you put in the price based on the year that you bought it, and it tells you what the price would be today. And when really? I put in the price, uh, when I put in the price for you know some of these tickets that I went to games in the 80s you know it comes up at like it's equivalent to like £12 for today mm. <laughs> so it shows you that the, the price of football has has risen above the rate of inflation you know what I mean it's and to me it's to subsidise you know the huge salaries that players get these days but the, the amount of money we, I know it's a lot cheaper up here than it is down south but the yeah. amount of money we get charged for football these days I think is, is astronomical but your first cup final Christine my first cup final was um, the League Cup final of 1975. Um, we beat Celtic 1-0 nothing in Alec McDonald's. Oh, McDonald's scored header. a diving header. Yeah. I was speaking to him last night, actually. Yeah, lovely Me and Doddy, we go way back, way back we go. Yep. And um, we then, obviously, we did the treble that season. So, um, 76, the Scottish Cup final. Um we beat Hearts, Hearts three, three, three one. I think it was. Yeah, three one. Um, yeah. And we scored was, before. Scored before three o'clock. That's right. Derek Johnson scored in that one. Um, so you know, it was a great start to me starting to go and watch Rangers. I, I got my first season ticket in nineteen seventy four, seventy five. Um, I actually won it in a competition in the Rangers News. Would you believe? Do you know and... I used to write for the Rangers News, Christy? I know that. I know. Did you know that? It's a small know. world, isn't it? It is. It really is. I, 
it was a competition. It was something to do with, I think it named four players, and it, you had to say which one was from Glasgow. And um, right. I wasn't sure. And was it Alec McDonald? No, this was it was Alec O'Hara. Do you All remember right. him? Do you remember I'd, Alec uh, O'Hara? I I can see his face. I don't remember. I'm, yeah. I'm too I'm I'm too young to remember him as a player, but uh-huh. uh, I, I can see his face. I think he was it's from Castle Burns, Milk. Well, is Alan McDonald not for Castle Milk? I don't think he was one of the options, though. Yeah, uh, see, I'm sure I, I, I was I was speaking to Alan McDonald about this last night. He he was definitely for Castle Milk. Uh, but it wasn't him. What about yourself, Stuart? What about you? Your first cup final. What was the tournament? My first cup final was the CIS cup final of 2003, or certainly league cup final, I can't remember if it was CIS then or Coca-Cola, I'm not very sure, but that was the game where we beat them 2-1 and Hartford missed Hartford the penalty. That's the penalty. Yeah, that's injury a good one, wasn't it, that game? That's a it good was, one. We went through it and he was actually, my wee pal was, was ill, but we ended up having to walk back into the, the centre of the Glasgow after the game and I was quite keen to to partake in a libation or two, but with him being <laughs> ill, he wasn't, he wasn't so keen. But the problem we had was we, we walked through, I didn't really know Glasgow very well, and they did stop doing it, to be honest, and uh, we walked through the Queen's Park and to, back towards the centre of Glasgow, and, and every single pub seemed to be celebrating St. Patrick's Day, which was <laughs> that, that weekend. So we, we, didn't, we were un, un, unable to actually get a pint anywhere until we got back into the centre of Glasgow, but that was uh, that was my first cut final. Were you, were you walking down Victoria Road? No idea, mate. It was. Yeah, uh, I, it was I just remember it was a beautiful sunny day. It was it, so it was it was great. Obviously, we just beat Celtic. I think we played really well that day, but we, we, Lennon got sent off towards the end, and I think we sort of sat off them a wee bit and tried to hold on to the lead. And obviously, Amruso sort of dived in into the back of the hearts and gave away the penalty. In fact, like it's Bobo Baldy, wasn't it? So and gave away the, the penalty, and uh, fortunately, the big fat. Ginger Baldy missed it. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't at that game, but uh, that's, a, that's a decent cup final, I must admit, to, to say that was your first. My first cup final was uh, October 1987, uh, Rangers 3, Aberdeen 3, uh, the League Cup final, and we won it in penalties. And uh, I dogged the school, I was 13 at the time, I dogged the school to get tickets. So I dogged, I dogged the school to go through it, like, I think I got the train at 7 in the morning before I got through to Glasgow. To get me and my pal two tickets, and on the Sunday the two has arrived without a clue how to get to Hamden. I knew how to get to Ibrox, but I, I didn't have a clue how to get to how to get to Hamden. So a, a sign of the times, I suppose. We, we we jumped in a taxi with two complete strangers, which when I look back on, you know, I was thirteen at the time. It was probably you not know, the the cleverest thing I've ever done in my life. I mean, if my boy came in the new at the same age and said, "Oh, I shared a taxi with two strange men today." I would be asking questions. So we got the taxi out. It was my first real experience of the terraces because obviously I was just uh, sitting down at Ibrox and when Davy Cooper scored that free kick to make it one each, I shot myself. The the the, the swaying, the pushing. I mean, all, when it all settled down, my mate had gone. He'd, <laughs> he was like 70 yards to my left. You know, it was just carnage, absolute carnage. But it was... Uh, it was a good day, and it, I, I just remember it being really, especially when it went to penalties. It was just so nerve-wracking. I, I couldn't couldn't deal with it at one point. It was getting that bad, but yeah, fond memories of it. Fond memories. 
Hey, sure, your first old firm game. What was what was that one? Don't say it was a CIS Cup. No, it wasn't. It was a few years previous to that, or six years. It was um, the game we, we beat Celtic 1-0 in 1997. And it was Richard Goff that scored it. I think it was his first goal back after he'd returned from the USA to try and get us to, to, 10. to uh, 10 in a row, which obviously we didn't quite, quite make. I was um, in a club deck that day. Right, well, fair enough, I think it was a club deck I was in. It, what was it? I was. I didn't make a lot of games when I was younger because I used to play a lot of football myself, as you know. So, um, at, at that time, I was playing. I was on loan. Uh, I was playing for Hutchivale under twenty ones, and I think our game got cancelled for some reason. I think our team never turned up, and our manager at the time he had a season ticket, so he says to me, "Do you want to, do you want to go through?" And I'm sure it was really quite like it was about an hour to kick off, and I absolutely just passed my driving test. That year, I think actually, um, no, it couldn't have been. It must have been a bit a few years before that. But um, I remember actually flying through to Glasgow and uh, almost getting uh, stopped by the police. There was a police car, a uh, Range Rover came up in front of me, and I thought, oh, here we go. And at that time, I had a message thing in the back, and it just told me to slow down. So <laughs> I got away with that, and then I got to Ibrox, and and as at that at that time, so late nineties, I hadn't been to very many Rangers game at all. Um, as I say, because I, I played myself every Saturday, so I didn't really get a chance to go to football. So um, I thought, where the hell am I going to get parked? So I just headed straight for the stadium, naively thinking I'd get parked right outside. And funnily enough, I did. I got parked right on the just off the Copland Road, just at the primary school. And I don't know how much to get the space. And I got in just before Goff scored, actually, because I think it's quite a, an early goal. And uh, it was it worked out quite well. So that was that was my first uh, old firm game. What about you, Christine? First game against that show? First game was in um, January 1975. Were you guys born then? I was just coming up from my third birth, yeah. second birthday, second birthday. <laughs> right. I was just a glint in my mum and dad's eye. Right, get, it, get it up, you. <laughs> um, youngins. No, I mean, bear in mind, bear in mind, Celtic were going for 10 in a row that season. Right, and, right, okay. Um, we had to stop them, and New Year's Day game. Was that a 3 nothing? I think game? it was actually the 4th of January, somewhere along those lines, but, um, and we beat them 3 nothing. 3 nothing. And um, I think it was Derek Johnston, Tommy McLean, and Derek Parlane. Parlane, yes. Who was my hero at the time. And, um, what I can remember from it, well, I don't really remember. I mean, I'm lying here because I've just been watching it to remind myself. Um, was the state of the pitch? <laughs> yeah, mud, an absolute mud heap. It really was awful. And um, but we beat them three 0 and that went a long way to deciding where the league flag was going that year. Well, I, I remember oh, must have been about twenty odd year ago. Rangers brought out a. Remember when they used to bring out the videos? Mm-hmm. And they brought out, uh, it was like greatest old firm wins and all the rest of it. And it was essentially John Gregg and Derek Johnson and a couple others sitting in the Argyle house with, yep. looking down onto the stadium, chatting about, you know, their favourite old firm games. And that game came up, the 3 nothing game. Mm-hmm. And it's funny you're talking about the park because me and my pals, I'd have been about 18 or 19 at the time, right, sitting watching it. The minute the footage came up, the two of us were like, ah, Look at this! Look at the state of that park. You know what I mean? It was just like a ploughed field. You know what I mean? And you know, you, you think of players now wouldn't even consider playing on a surface like that. It just shows you no, 
I think there's an argument to say they were no more skillful, but they, they they certainly had to deal with more than what the modern day player has to deal with in terms of surfaces and stuff like that. When you hear boys moaning about you know artificial surfaces, show them a video of that. You know, what yeah, I mean? it's quite, this is what yeah. they used to play on. You know, what I mean, there wasn't a bit of grass anywhere. It was just a big pile of mud and yep. divots and all the rest of it. Uh, my first old firm game was twenty uh, second of March, nineteen eighty six. Uh, Rangers four, Celtic four, and it was uh, it was quite an introduction. I must admit, at one at one point, Rangers were three one down. Uh, Celtic were down to ten men. Who was it that got sent off? Uh, was it McGugan? Can't quite remember. But Celtic were down to ten men, but they were three one up. Tommy Burns scored just after half time. And I thought, oh, that's it. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, first all from games, a defeat. And then within 15 minutes, we turned it around. We were 4-3 up. And Murdo McLeod scored an equaliser, an absolute screamer. I think we about 10 minutes to go or something. And see if Rangers had held out that day. Technically speaking, Hearts would have won the league. If all the results after that, they yeah. had followed the similar, similar really? path and Hearts would have won the league, yeah. Because wow. they won it in goal difference. So that goal with Murder McLeod was, was more important than it was maybe giving credit for at the time. But I was it was some some game for you know your first mm-hmm. all-firm game. My mate, his first all-firm game was a 5-1 game, mind uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Drinkle and Mark Walters and all that. So we always used to have a competition. He, he used to say his was the best for, you know, for an all-firm game. And I was like, well, I got eight goals in mine. Mm-hmm. I know it was a draw, but eight goals. Can't really go wrong with that. Actually, that 4 each game, McCalling was one of the ones that I think you came out at, at the end thinking, do you know what? It probably was dessert. You know, a, a draw Aye. was probably right on the day, even although we, you know, we obviously desperately wanted to beat to them. It. But, yeah. You know, it's one of these ones that you think you can't really argue with that. Uh, what, what about European games, guys? Frankie, what was your first European fixture? Rangers 5, Stone Gratz 0, which was in September 2000. It was the, the first European game I went to. So, first Champions League game as well. So, kept up my, my good record, a good results. It was a great game. I played really well. Should have probably scored more on the night, actually. I think Alberts missed a penalty. Um, that was actually my first season with a season ticket as well. So, it um, took quite well that year as well. That game no played around about the time when there was mind the petrol strikes. There was all that stuff for the petrol. It, it might have been. It might have been. One of my mate, we trying to mention them earlier. He used to stay at the other side of Edinburgh. For me, I was in I'm in East Lothian, and I remember uh, having to pick him up and then trying to stop for petrol somewhere, and it ended up having to go way out my road, uh, probably through your way somewhere to end up getting petrol. Actually, I ended up going nearly sort of fourth road bridge and then along by Bourness. I was sort of trying had to. If on the phone to people try to find out um, where, where, where the, what stations were still open and what still had fuel. So it might, it might have been then. I'm not very sure. You could yeah, be right. I'm sure, it was a midweek game. game doing that, so yeah. it was. It might have been. But I kind of, I kind of recall it myself. I must admit. I was, I was, I was on holiday, so I gave my ticket for that game to my mate, and my mate picked me up like two or three nights. I think the game was on the Wednesday night, and I was flying back on the Thursday or the Friday, and he came to pick me up at the airport. And it was like coming back to a third world. You know what I mean? When they picked me up at Glasgow Airport, we're driving along the, the motorway, not a car in sight. You know what I mean? There was no one out and about because there was this fuel shortage because there was blockades in France and all the rest of it. There was all that stuff. I can't, I can't quite remember what started it, but I'm pretty sure that game, uh, 
took place around about that time. What about yourself, Christine, first European game? Well, I remember going to the um, European Super Cup final between us and Ajax. Ajax. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a decent game, eh? They had won the European Cup, Cup and we had won the Cup Winners' Cup. And although we were banned for the next season... Um, that's we why UEFA wouldn't but, officially sanction it. We were allowed to... I don't know. The, the game happened anyway. And so I remember seeing Johan Cruyff at Ibrox. It was fabulous. Um, even though we, I think we lost... 3-1. I think we lost home and away, to be honest. Yeah. I can't actually remember the score. Yeah, we got beat 3-1 at Ibrox and we got beat 3-2 over in Amsterdam. Well done. Yeah. Mm, I'm impressed. You, you get Google on. No, no, no I, I know these things. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Well, that was that would have been my first one, um, and after that, I think it would be Bohemians. Um, oh Jesus! Bohemians. <laughs> know the, know, know and, the game in Dublin. And then with no, no, I wasn't there. I didn't really go to um, European away games at that stage. Um, just couldn't afford it, and um, but. It was at the game at Ibrox, and then I think we played St Etienne after that. That's when we got the bike. Oh, aye, aye. Is there no about a debate about the bike? Don't remember. I'm sure. What kind I'm of sure debate? That some people say it was St Etienne, and other people say actually it wasn't. It was some other French team. I can't no, remember. No, it was St Etienne, definitely. Definitely, definitely St Etienne. Definitely. I don't care. Okay, yeah, definitely. Go with that. Um, my, my own first European game was uh, Sparta-Prague uh, around about 1991. Stuart McCall scored twice. We'd lost the first leg, one nothing, And Stuart McCall scored twice. And we were, we were through with a couple of minutes to go. Mm. And Scott Nisbet scored our own goal. And that was that. Out and away goals. <laughs> we, we, were out, we were out and away goals. And I, I just remember being gutted, absolutely gutted. And there was only, there must have been about 30 of their fans in the club deck. You could have heard a pin drop and that, and, and Gorham probably mm. should have got it. Yeah, their, uh, their boy got to the byline and cut it back, and Nisbet slid in to try and cut it out and sort of diverted it towards goal. And Gorham probably should have got it, and it just sort of squirmed in. Mm. So, I don't know whether it, it came up, um, it was just something I was thinking about. Um, whether it came up last night, Colin, at your 1972 thing, but um, I remember. Just talking about going out and away goals. Remember the, um, who was it? A Spanish team, Sporting Lisbon, when we played them. Spanish think, team, Portuguese team. Portuguese, uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and the, we the played them Cup. in the run. Um, yeah, aye. On the night, finished six each. Yeah, on the night. Everybody thought we had gone out. Yeah, that's right. Aye. Um, and I remember going to my bed crying. <laughs> When I used to get emotional about these things. Um, I remember going to my bed crying and then my dad telling me the next morning, we're through, we're through. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't worry about crying, Christine. I go to my bed crying every time I get beat, you know what I mean? Two weeks ago <laughs> at that Celtic game, I was in my bed bubbling by, by tea time, I think. <laughs> uh, right, guys, conscious of time, just coming up in the sort of last minute of the show. Uh, I'll do a quick, simple one-word one, one answer with the next question. Favourite Rangers player, Frankie? For me, Richard Goff. A defender? 
Aye, probably. Oh, no, no very glamorous. I understand that. I mean, these goalkeepers on the right, by the way, honestly, God. Well, it's, it's fair enough. I mean, you know, maybe I went for Gorham or Loudrop McCoyst. I mean, these guys were the hero when I was growing up. I'm very, very lucky in the year row stuff and guys like uh, Alberts and Gio Van Bronckhorst and things like that. But for me, it was Goff. And I, I don't even think we've ever properly replaced Goff. Fair enough. What about yourself, Christine? David Cooper. Without a doubt. That's 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 two for Cooper then, because I would I would go with that as well. I would go with David Cooper. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I just and, and and it wasn't just he's you know obviously had a lot of ability and all the rest of it, but I just thought he was a really humble, down to earth guy. You know, I heard that I, I read a good story a while ago about him, uh, a Rangers fan saying he'd been at a a Motherwell Rangers game at at, at Fir Park, and obviously Cooper stayed in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So after the game, this Rangers fan he went to the chippy, and this Rangers fan also stayed in Hamilton. So he was standing at the bus stop waiting on the Hamilton bus for Motherwell. <laughs> and David Cooper was standing in the, in yep. the same I, bus he stop. He didn't drive at that time. No. I, think he learned, I think he learned later on. But... Later on, so he was standing at the bus stop waiting on the, the Hamilton bus uh, with a bag of chips. He'd, he'd also been at the same chippy as well, you know. And I just think. Stuff like that, I must admit, yeah. I quite like stuff like that. So, so that's two for David Cooper and one mm-hmm. for Richard Goff. We'll see who pops up with the other contributors, who they say their favourite player was. But I think that's probably time to call it, guys. It's conscious we've been on here for an hour now. So that's all from the Gears Net Weekly podcast this week. A big thanks to Christine and Stuart for their, their contributions there. Uh, we'll, we'll be back on here next week, obviously. <laughs> The Rangers are back in action next week against Hearts, I believe, on the Saturday. So we'll have a pod out on the Sunday. In the meantime, get yourself on to the Jersnet at www.jersnet.co.uk. Uh, until then, until next week, bye for now. <laughs>